Lee Harris is a former junior hockey player from Harrow, Ontario. He went on to become a professional figure skater and is now the skating consultant coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Ohio Buckeyes hockey teams. Join me, Drake DeMar, as I chat with Lee about growing up in Windsor, his hockey and skating careers, and all the cool stuff he's been able to do through competing and coaching. Hello, how you doing? Zach Cassie. Adam Enrique. Joe Siddle. Tom Crawford. Todd Warner. Brett Romberg. DJ Laramie. And holy mackinac, you're listening to Win City Sports. What up, everybody? My name is Drake Demore, and thank you for streaming or downloading this episode of the Win City Sports Podcast. Windsor's only local sports radio show and podcast. This is our first ever Monday edition of Win City Sports, now dropping podcasts every other Monday morning on WinCitySports.com and anywhere podcasts are found, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Here on the show, you'll hear full, uncut, and unedited versions of interviews with local athletes, coaches, entrepreneurs, and more. We also have the Win City Sports radio show on CJAM 99.1 FM in Windsor and Detroit every Thursday at 12.30 and replays on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. On the radio show, you'll hear highlights from these podcast interviews, local sports news, and some good music. Broadcasting every Thursday in Windsor, Detroit, still from home during this pandemic. We also have a big social media presence at WinCity underscore sports on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel, the WinCity Sports YouTube channel. Search us up, give us a like, follow, subscribe, whatever it may be. Give us a review on anything you would like to use. And if you're trying to find us, WinCity is all one word, W-I-N-C-I-T-Y. It should be easy to find now after almost five years on the dial and on the podcast waveforms. But today is Monday, November 9th, 2020, and it's episode 211 of Win City Sports. And as mentioned at the top of the show, we have a pretty interesting guest this week on Win City Sports and one of the more uh, different and interesting ones in some time. Obviously, we've had a lot of hockey players on the show, but one thing we haven't had is a figure skater. And now we get to do both of those yet here on episode 210 of Win City Sports with Lee Harris. I recently discovered Lee from that Drive Magazine article featuring himself. Um, looked up his resume and it was pretty obvious and wanted to interview this guy, especially now being the skating coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets from right here in the Windsor-Essex area, born and raised in Harrow, and even playing hockey, junior C hockey for the Kingsville Comets and the Bell River Canadians. So, of course, we talk about that in the interview. We also talk about his post-hockey playing career and when he went on to figure skating. He uh, competed as a junior over in the States and then became pro, uh, competing and very performing on Caribbean cruise ships. Uh, we get into those crazy stories. And then from there, becoming a coach. You know, um, He landed in Ohio after all of his times or his all of the experience in skating. Uh, ended up there and started coaching there and eventually branched out into the hockey world yet again getting a call from the NHL Columbus Blue Jackets club um, and also the uh, the Ohio College's Buckeyes hockey teams, both the men's and women's teams. He's the strength and conditioning coach for them, skating coach for the NHL's um, Columbus Blue Jackets and their affiliate team in the AHL, the Cleveland Monsters as well. Talk about being able to hoist the Calder Cup um, a little bit here with Lee Harris. Following that, we do have uh, some sports news and stuff I want to kind of talk about. Uh, I'm going to do things a little bit differently this week and maybe going forward on the Win City Sports Podcast now, um, changing it up a little bit on Mondays. Try not to read too much news and just kind of go through some more important or maybe not important, but interesting things that have come up in the news as of late. We do have uh, some unfortunate things to talk about as well and the passing of Dennis Farrell and um, another in the hockey world that we want to give our condolences to. We'll do that at the end of the show, as well as some announcements, some local UFC fighters getting back into it, stepping back into the octagon soon, and more. But uh, without further ado, I think it's time to flip over to that interview with Lee Harris from right here in the Windsor-Essex area, right over in Harrow. Former professional figure skater and now the skating coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets, Lee Harris. Here we go. Right now, I'm with the Columbus Blue Jackets skating consultant and conditioning coach for the Ohio Buckeyes hockey teams. He's from Harrow, Ontario, a former Bell River Canadian and Kingsville Comet, and also a successful figure skater and coach, Lee Harris. Welcome to the show, man. Uh, Drake, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, excited to talk to some people back home. 
Yeah, yeah. Man, just reminiscing at the beginning was a good little interview <laughs> on its own, you know? Yeah, you, yeah, you know, I hope everyone's being healthy and safe out there. Um, it's been a struggle this year um, for everybody, but um, I like to come back to Windsor and, and visit the family in Harrow a lot, but um, obviously with everything shut down, got to do what you can do, but I'm definitely missing seeing the families and friends back there. Yeah, absolutely. And as mentioned, you've grown up in Harrow. So what was life like out there growing up? I'm sure you started skating at a young age. So I'm sure that was always a part of your life. But what was just, you know, it like growing up out in Harrow? Yeah, you know, um, you know, Harrow has a, you know, for a small town, like, like all towns in Canada has a, a rich history of hockey. You know, if you go into the Harrow Arena now, and you look at the banners, you know, hanging in there, um, pretty awesome to see. And, you know, I was just a part of that and um, had a lot of mentors, a lot of way that I looked up to. Um, my, my parents emigrated to Canada when they were 19 and, uh, my dad played rugby for Wales. So when they came over here, they just kind of wanted to immerse, you know, our family in the Canadian culture. And, you know, <laughs> there's nothing more than going to the rink. Yeah. And, uh, my brother and sister, you know, I'm the youngest, so they were already into the, the figure skating and hockey. And I was just, you know, a rink rat from, you know, three years on and got on the ice first and started playing hockey and, um, Six months into it, my dad started seeing like, if you're going to be good at this, you uh, need to be on the ice more. So uh, he threw me into the, you know, the figure skating classes and, um, and there, you know, that started it and couldn't give it up for, you know, 16 years. So <laughs> both of them until I was 18. Yeah. So obviously you liked the, the figure skating aspect of it too, like um, kind of practicing and training and stuff like that. But did you ever get any like your figure skating? Like, like, why are you figure skating kind of comments? Yeah, well, of course, yeah. you know, like you're going to get did that you kind of like they just roll off the shoulder where you're kind of like, what's wrong with because you're a young kid. You're like, what's wrong yeah. with figure skating, right? Like, yeah, luckily, you know, because I did that at such a young age that I excelled in hockey because of the skating, mm -hmm. you know, um, you look at the hockey now and, and where the guy's skating is it's off the charts um, because these kids are now getting that development at a young age. But nobody was really doing it at that time. And so me being on the ice so much and figure skating really helped the hockey. So because of that, I was flying out there and I was, you know, pretty good because of that. So, um, as you said, I kind of let it, you know, roll off the shoulder a little bit just because I'm like, all right, well, make your jokes, but, you know, got a couple goals and an assist today. So, we'll finish the blow a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I, I always tell this story about a, a friend of mine. He didn't play hockey, but he was always good at like every sport in, um, in school, right? Mm -hmm. And I played hockey. So, we would go to Adstall Arena, we go um, uh, public skating. And I challenged him to a race and he was like, sure, whatever. And he figure skated uh -huh. and he destroyed me. And I was yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Yeah. If you're not, you know, like if people don't really understand or like notice it when they watch figure skating from the stand, but we get on the ice with, with those skaters, you actually appreciate the speed that they're moving, you know? Yeah. Um, because, you know, and that's the thing, kind of what I've kind of done with the hockey and figure skating worlds because I've done both is kind of showed like if you use your body and the technique of your blade and you're skating the right way, you're not using half the energy. So you're not looking like you're, you're working so hard. So you look at some of the best skaters in NHL, you know, it, it looks so easy. There's flying by guys because they're just so efficient. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you've probably brought it down to a science at this point, you know, being able to compete and coach and kind of study the game. So I'm sure that there's those kind of things that are, are out there that a lot of people wouldn't know. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, like I, you know, I, I'm big into, like you said, the science of it and, you know, putting the body in the right way and using the muscles and, you know, that in the, in, in the correct way to excel you and, and get that speed and things. So, um, some, like I said, sometimes if it looks like a guy's not really working hard, but going, he's just efficient. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this goes back to your, uh, your playing career. You're mostly known for, obviously, your time with the Canadians and the Junior C uh, Leagues and the Comets with uh, Kingsville. So mm -hmm. what was that like for you? I'm sure uh, being, you know, a teenager, it's cool to be, like, at that level of hockey and, and kind of in your hometown too, right? Yeah, no, it was great. Well, you know, to be honest with you, uh, to, you know, I was 15 years old and Kingsville started coming around asking me to um, affiliate for them. So I was playing Bantam Hockey. We, my team was highly successful. We, at that time, won like two or three All-Ontario championships and doing really well. And, um, but Kingsville was our arch nemesis. We, you know, even now, if, even if now if I think about it, like I get like butterflies in my stomach. We just battled, you know, we, Kingsville had like some phenomenal players and we're a little smaller, but getting Kings the comments to ask me, I was like, okay, I'll try it out, you know. 
but yeah, being 15 years old, you know, and there's 20 year olds and 21 year olds, it was, you know, I was a small kid, but, um, again, going back to what my bread and butter was, I could skate. So keeping up with those guys and, you know, I was there for a season and a half and then I got my release and went to the Canadians and I was there for two years. But again, I was around some phenomenal players, you know, and in Kingsville, I had coach Roption, who is amazing and, you know, he's good at helping kids, you know, get to their path where they need to go. Um, you know, Murray Rupert from Harrow is there. John Bezaire, who had a phenomenal shot, you know, like just a, you know, rocket of a shot. Um, Dean Mayran, who um, is a guy that you love to have on your team. But, you know, the next year, yeah. like I said, I was playing for Bell River and facing off next to a giant like that. Um, a little intimidating. Um, but, yeah, and then I, you know, I went from Kingsville. I think we were, you know, maybe second, third to the bottom going to the Canadians who were the best in the league and kind of had to, you know, um, show what I was made of and things. And, you know, Steve Ott was on that team, Steve Mills, Darren Thorne, Craig Smith, um, coach uh, Mike Mazzella was there. It was, you know, a good learning curve for me. It, it, it really opened up my eyes to go from, you know, one level to the next level. And um, it was great. Really, good. really cool, man. And, and one thing we were kind of talking about before too, just be, from my experience being out there in, in Bell River, um, Lakeshore <laughs> recently, you really see like the small town pride in the, in the teams in junior C too. Like, like I said, like a lot of people don't know of it, but if you're there and like there, there's a passion, there's a fan base and it kind of translates into the players too, I'm sure. Right. Like being able to um, represent that team. Uh, the thing that I remember honestly is like how many volunteers, you know, they had like just working the gates and, and helping out with like just the traveling and making sandwiches for the teams and things. And, you know, those are the lasting impressions that I remember. It's like you said is, you know, junior C hockey. And it was, you know, the, these stepping stones for these players, but they, they rallied around us and, you know, Bell River, you know, they, I know now they have that beautiful facility. Yeah. Um, but back in the day, you know, we played in the old rink and which was great in itself. Um, but yeah, like the, the small town teams are, you know, definitely huge stepping stones for players to, you know, get their footing, get, you know, find out what, what type of player they want to be and, and get some great coaching along the way. Absolutely, man. It's where it all begins, right? So it's, it's yeah. the beginning of everyone's story. Like I always say, it's like high school. It's the best four years of your life. Everyone <laughs> says the same shit, but it's yeah. true, you know, and you look back at it and I'm sure there's still guys that you keep in touch with and maybe guys yeah. you're still crossing paths with nowadays, sure. right? Yeah, no, and I'll tell you what, you know, I, when I play uh, pickup hockey now, I still wear my Bell River Canadian practice jersey and um, down here in Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, we got a, a lot of ex-pros that stop here and, you know, like some junior and um, college guys that still play and, you know, some Canadian guys. And they'll be like, wait, you're from Bell River, Essex County? Like, you know, what's your story? And, you know, so, you know, hockey is a small world and it's nice to see that, you know, that they all just come back together and, you know, just play for the love of it. Absolutely. And and you're part of kind of two worlds with obviously figure skating and hockey and they probably clashed and mixed throughout all that time. Like even during your time playing junior, you were you were still skating, right? I think it says you were part of Detroit Skating Club. So probably going over there and practicing with them at a, at a certain point as well, right? Yeah, you know, I was just telling this story to one of my skaters last week. You know, when I was 16 years old, I um, used to leave um, high school in Harrow um, like early afternoon. They'd give me a credit for gym class to go skate. I'd pick up my skating partner, Alicia Fox, up in the city. We would drive over the border up to the Detroit Skating Club, skate a couple hours, come home, and then I'd probably have a practice that night or, you know. Wow. So it was just part of it. You know, you, you, I, I never thought differently of it. It was always something that, like I said, I struggled when I was three, figure skating hockey. So it, I was running from hockey to figure skating back and forth, and, you know, a couple times a day. Um, I think at one point when I was 16, 17, I was on the ice six, seven hours a day. Wow. But, uh, but I loved it. I mean, I, I don't remember a time that I was just like, I want to do something else. It's like, this is it, you know? So. Well, it's quite the life to live, man. Rather it be one or the other, you know, hockey or just skating. Like it's, it's awesome. It's cool. That's why we do these stories, right. And, mm -hmm. and these conversations. Yeah. And I'm sure like, you know, you did, you did the junior C thing and then you branched off into competitive um, figure skating. So was there ever a point where you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to focus more on skating or was that even a thing for you? you? You know, you know, it's interesting. It was, you know, obviously when I started getting 14, 15 playing for the Comets and in Bell River, I'm starting to get in talks from, um, you know, junior B and, you know, getting some interest uh, from there just, and again, just cause I could skate, I had speed that, you know, at that time was a little different than, you know, what the, where the game was. And, um, 
So I, in the summers, I would be um, doing summer skates up with the um, Tecumseh Bulldogs and for the Flyers. And I got asked to try out for the Leamington Flyers. And looking back, it was probably the best hockey I ever um, played in their tryouts. And um, I was getting some points. I got like um, challenged by one of the veteran players to fight. I was never a fighter, but I stood up to it. Got beat up a little bit, but, you know, just kind of, you know, showing, hey, I'm ready to go. Let's, you know, give me the opportunity. So um, I remember standing, um, I think uh, it was uh, Kevin Hamlin was the coach. And yeah, and I remember um, I was standing in the hallway and they're like going through, you know, the lineup and, you know, you go in and they talk to you to say, hey, this is kind of what idea for you is. And I'm, like I said, about 16, 17 years old and I'm, I'm still figure skating at the time. And I walk in the room and he's sitting at his desk and he's got his assistant coaches around him. And he looks at me and he says, you ready to give up that figure skating stuff? Totally unprepared to answer the question. Wasn't ready for that. I was expecting like, I'm going to get a spot on the team. And I, I just kind of, uh, uh, I think I laughed it off and said, no, I don't think so. And he goes, okay, we're done here. And that, and that was it. Uh-huh. And at, at the time being 16, 17, that was pretty hard. And I never got called back. I didn't understand it, but the next year from there, I think I went home, played another year in Harrow. We won the Juvenile All-Ontario. The next year after that, I made my decision that I'd always been wondering about. And a year after that, I won the U.S. title in the United States with my new partner. So it was kind of like one of those things that a coach was real and hard with me, but it, it finally like, yeah. all right, I think it's, you know, it's time that, you know, if the game was, you know, the way it is now, with younger or smaller guys, quick guys, and you know, yeah, having, the, having the opportunity, then then it would. I'm five eight still, 150 pounds still. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my brother is six two. He got all the height, and you know, I think I would have made a different decision. But um, you know, I, I looking back now, obviously, I made the right right uh, decision, and I think he uh, definitely pushed me in that direction. That's that's interesting to hear, and obvi- obviously, you know, you you look back and you don't regret stuff like that, right? It's, it's, this is where you are now, but mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way. That like obviously, it could have been challenging at times, like especially when you're not expecting it, as from yeah. a guy like Hammer, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Are you ready to give it up?" Yep. And you haven't thought about it, right? So I didn't think of it that way. I thought maybe you just were like, "Okay, maybe I'll I'll be more successful here." But you're seeing success on both sides, so I'm mm-hmm. sure it was a tough decision. Oh, it, it, I mean, like at that time, like I said, I was playing junior hockey and uh, my partner, Alicia, who now lives in Kingsville, um, right. you know, we were at some like minor international competitions for Canada. So it wasn't that it was just a, another hobby and like, no, yeah. a, a high school sport. It was we were excelling at it. So um, having a coach come at me like that and being not prepared to answer it. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was difficult at the time. But like I said, looking back now, it pushed me in the right direction. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's a cool story, man. And yeah. you know, just shortly after that, I think in two thousand, you moved the to uh, Hartford, Connecticut, to concentrate more on the figure skating career. That's uh, again had to have been a big decision. So I guess we kind of talked about that, and that kind of probably alluded to um, what we were just talking about. What led you there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, to, to date myself here, the internet wasn't that old at that time. I think yeah, you know, yeah. ninety five, ninety six. So it's like four years old, and. Um, Alicia and I, you know, we, our partnership had got to a level that it was like, okay, it's time to move on. Let's, let's seek else, you know, elsewhere. And obviously I wanted to stay in Canada, but, um, I did like honestly a nationwide search to all the big like skating clubs in Canada and, you know, me not being, you know, as five, eight, I needed a, a tiny partner and everything's got to line up. And I did some tryouts in Toronto. I, I went to Detroit where some skaters were and nothing panned out. And this woman, you know, told me, she goes, hey, why don't you put your, uh, your uh, stats and everything on the U.S. figure skating site? Because some Canadians go on there as well and look for partners. It's like a partner search. So I did. And I was getting some, you know, some parents looking for, you know, their kids to, you know, skate with, me, with them and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, this, this coach from Connecticut calls me up. And it's like, hey, um, my, my student is a national champion looking for a new partner. And uh, you want to come out here for a tryout? And I declined for a week. You know, they kept on calling my dad. And I was just like, no, I'm still looking for a Canadian partner. Finally, my dad, my dad's still the, the barber in Harrow, sitting up in his store. And he goes, son, it's the summer. He goes, what are you doing? They're going to pay for the whole trip. Go. And I'm like, all right. So I flew out to Hartford. And um, I uh, literally got on the ice with her, Colette, and um, skated a couple laps. And I knew it. I'm like, this is it. You know, you just... 
everything just matched up the, our height, the way we could skate together, the way that we could spin, you know, like our unison was great. Um, and I came home, uh, my dad picked me up from Detroit airport, got in the car and said, I'm moving back there. And, um, two weeks later I packed my bags and I was on a plane and left home. That was it. <laughs> that was it. And, 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 you know, like it was hard because obviously, you know, like I had to give up, you know, skating for Canada and, and yeah. things like that. Um, regulations and rules. I had to sit, we had to sit out a year. We couldn't compete, which honestly was the best thing for us, a new partnership. And, you know, we got to really get some new tricks and, and really work on our partnership. And um, when we hit the scene and we were able to compete, we were good, you know, and um, we went like our uh, nationals that year were at the Staples Center in LA. Wow. And I, and I remember just staying on that ice and go, wow, look at yeah. the history, look at the history in here. And um, we ended up winning at a, you know, like I honestly, it was like my first big nationals in an arena like that. And I was like, I'm just happy to be here. Let's just get on the ice and have fun and get the experience. And then the next thing you know, we win it. And now we're, you know, traveling the world competing and junior worlds in Norway in two months after yeah. that. And, you know, and, and then just everything opened up. That's so cool, man. That's, I wanted to kind of talk about that too, being able to travel for the sport and all the places, all the tournaments and, and um, competitions that you've been part of, like you mm -hmm. said, in Norway and stuff like that. But it's something I always talk about with people through something they love, skating or hockey, being able to travel and see the world, it must be hugely beneficial. Oh, it, it was great. Honestly, the, um, and, and yeah, just immersing yourself in, in another culture and eating their food and, and just talking yeah. to them and, and trying to communicate, you know, it, yeah, it's yeah. just something that you can't teach at school. Um, I was very fortunate. Our my parents uh, growing up uh, when we weren't on the ice, we traveled a lot. They took us back to Great Britain a lot and things. So yeah. I had done it. You know, our family traveled a lot, um, but doing it for the sport and seeing other athletes from around the world and competing is on a, on a different level. Um, I think the next year after winning nationals, we went to Norway, went to Slovakia, Yugoslavia. Finland, you know, all these places that I never even dreamed of going, Yeah, you know, so, um, you know, it was phenomenal. And, um, and 2006, I retired from competing and the girl that I was dating at the time was also a paraskater. And, um, we started hearing about, um, some of our ex friends that were now on professional ranks and, and doing shows and, and Royal Caribbean having ice rinks on, on their cruise ships. So, um, we're like, well, let's look into that. And um, we got the contact information and we landed the job. And now five years after, you know, for five years, I traveled the world on the cruise ship and skating in their shows and talk about fun. And, you know, yeah. like never expecting to be middle of the ocean and having this tiny rink and performing for people had never seen ice and skating before um, and making the friends uh, like I talked about it, which is unbelievable. That's what I wanted to ask about that. Cause you know, if you just read that on paper, you're like, he was skating on a Caribbean cruise ship. Like what, what, what was going on there? So I had to, uh, had that written down is, uh, something pretty interesting. And like, that's part of a, of a professional career, right. Is those performances really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a funny story. You know, like, like I said, I started skating when I was three, you know, competing all the way up doing local competitions, Windsor, London, Sarnia, Paris, Ontario, you know, like we, we would be competing all over the place, little tiny areas, you know, and, and then, you know, then going to the big ranks and traveling, like we just talked about. And then all of a sudden, you know, and, and doing it for the love of it, you know, and I was just talking to somebody recently is that like for every skater you see on TV, you know, their names, Elvis Stoiko, Christy Yamaguchi, Michelle Kwan, you know, those, those people are making a living competing and, and, and doing it. But the rest of them are doing it for the love. You know, the kids that you see on TV at the Olympics, they're not making a lot of money. You know, um, I had friends that went to Olympics that were happy to pay for their apartments, you know, after the yeah, fact, yeah. you know, so it's a friend skating, you know, they're doing it for the love. So, and, um, and that dream of, of skating at the big competition. So get, I remember getting on the ship, you know, and you get paid every two weeks, you know, um, you know, you're learning the shows, you're in this brand new place that I'd never been, I'd never been on a cruise ship before. I'd never seen one really. And then all of a sudden it's a city and you're getting lost in it and you're meeting all these people and you're tired from learning shows. And then after two weeks you get paid and it's the first time ever getting paid for something that, you know, you've loved to do your whole life. And I just remember feeling like, wow, you know, so, um, you know, it, it was phenomenal. Like the, the shows were incredible. Um, the size of the rink is if you imagine the neutral zone on an ice rink and the four dots in the neutral zone, 
that's the size of the rink. It's yes. 40, it's 40 feet by 60 feet. It's tiny, but world-class skaters on there. The men are doing backflips. They're doing triple jumps with, you know, I was doing the crazy lifts with my partner and, you know, it, it was a 45 minute show and it's nonstop loud music, standing ovations from, you know, all the um, audience members, because again, half those people are just on vacation and they've never seen it before. So yeah. um, seeing it in the middle of the ocean, is just, you know, on a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, another funny story about it is that, you know, a lot of Canadians on board, you know, like, you know, the crew staff, the, um, you know, just the, the waiters and things like that. And they all grew up playing hockey. So, you know, the after hours, we would be in there at like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, at pickup hockey on this tiny little ring. <laughs> um, the Zamboni is the size of a coffee table. And sometimes you'd have like Jamaican guys that work on the ship that are running the Zamboni. And I'm like, this world is crazy. You know, like. <laughs> This guy's never seen an ice rink. You know, he gets on a job on a cruise ship and now he's driving a Zamboni on, you know, he's probably never seen a big rink before. And just amazing memories. It's like Cool Runnings 2 or something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that's great, man. That's cool. Because that's like, for people that don't really understand um, professional skating, it's like you build your resume over time through not only competition, but through performances, right? Like a lot of people might think professional skating is just, you know, like you see on TV, like you mentioned. So mm -hmm. what other kind of stuff were you able to do through your professional career? Um, so yeah, I did uh, five uh, different ships, you know, and for me, I, I always like to do different itineraries. Like my first cruise ship was over in Europe and then we came into the Caribbean. I went out of the West coast out of LA, one out of New York. So I like to travel all around. And, yeah. you know, like I said, there's like 13 to 15 different cruise ships with ice rinks. Um, but you know, you, you're out there for six to seven months at a time and then you come home and you can, you know, kind of manipulate how long you want your vacation. So there's a couple times that I went to Europe and um, did some shows in Germany. And um, it was an outdoor Christmas show. And um, it was so awesome. Like the, the Germans have such a great outlook on the Christmas spirit. And, you know, I think uh, Santa Claus is actually, you know, is um, based off of that or was from there. And, um, you know, so they have these Christmas markets and it's just a rich history of obviously they, they appreciate their skating and their hockey. And um, so I did these outdoor rinks or outdoor shows there and um, just an awesome experience. And um, all the skaters got to know the professional hockey players in town. And um, we just became a big family. There's Canadians in there and um, found out that one of my best buddies from Harrow, Josh Zavitz, just talking to one of the guys was roommates with him in Toledo when they played pro together. So it was like, yeah. So once you find stuff out like that, you just become yeah. like a huge family and you know, it was amazing. That's cool. That's a, one thing I always talk about too, is like a little connection, the Windsor connection. I always say, mm -hmm. you know, if you cross paths with someone, it's probably cool to be like, Oh, you're from, like you said, even the guys playing hockey, like mm -hmm. you're from where I'm from. They kind of, you know, maybe make you a little bit more comfortable, especially if you're kind of on your own traveling, living somewhere you're not used to. Right. No, that, that's for sure. And you know, going back to the cruise ship is that like, you're there for seven months. So yeah. they, they become your family. You know, you're there over Christmas. You're over there like family's birthdays or sicknesses. And, you know, and same thing when we were in Germany is that we're there for Christmas and so are they. So we had Christmas dinners together and things like that, that, you know, so it, it, it was pretty special. I look back on, you know, both those experiences, the ship and, and um, in Germany is just, you know, I was very fortunate and lucky to, to have that opportunity. And um, I'll never forget that. That's really cool, man. And, you know, I think it was around 2011, you retired from professional figure skating and your coaching career really took off. I'm sure you, you know, helped coaching in a sport like skating, you were involved and had experience. But after then, you started leading pairs to uh, US nationals and stuff. So I'm sure that's kind of what led you to the Blue Jackets, maybe the, the community kind of blending together. Did, did they reach out to you? Did you apply for a job? How did it kind of go down and getting on the, on the blue jackets. Yeah. It's an interesting story. Um, at the time I was, um, I was dating a girl that was from Columbus, Ohio. So, um, you know, when I was off the ship, I'd come here and just visit and be around this, this community. And at that time, the blue jackets were what, 10, 11 years old. So mm -hmm. a very young hockey market, you know, I'd, I'd go to the rink and, you know, not much was going on. Like during the day, you get some drop in hockey, you get like, you know, some kids for, um, like a shinny, like, session it'd be like six kids out there um fast forward to today and you can't book a spot on the ice you know so but back then you know i, I could see i'm like this is a really young hockey market and um 
when I was out in Connecticut training, I, um, my coach asked me if I wanted to start coaching and make some extra money while, you know, while I'm training. And I'm like, sure. I've never really coached at the time, but I'd, I'd like to get on. He goes, well, I got a phone call from a dad that his son wants to get on the ice and, and um, start getting some skating lessons. So I said, sure, let's, let's get him going. And kid comes on the ice and he's a roller hockey player, never really touched ice before. And he wants to make the high school hockey team that next year. So we get him on the ice and, you know, roller hockey and hockey are similar, but there are some big differences when you're going from one to the other. And, you know, I say to his dad afterwards, I'm like, he's going to have to come in here like three, four times a week if he really wants to make that team. So they're like, absolutely, whatever it was. So my first lesson with him, he's looking at me. I'm looking at him. He goes, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know? And, and, and it was, I was like, oh, wait, I got to coach you. I've never done this. I've been coached for like, let's say 18 years now. So, you know, I start thinking, I'm like, what made me good? What made, what makes my skating so good and fluid? And, you know, so um, he was my first, like, kind of like test student, you know, he was learning from me, but I was also learning my craft. And um, long story short, um, that after that summer, he made the JV team. Um, three years later after that, he was the captain of the high school, the varsity team, and um, he went on his way. But um, it was the first time that I'm like, I think I have something here. I think I, you know, A, I had some amazing coaches along the way to teach me what I needed to know, but also my understanding of the blade, body awareness, and um, just passing that on. Um, so when I first came back to Columbus, like I said, in 2011, um, I was like, all right, well, let, let's start this. And um, I, I started getting a couple students and starting to like, prove myself what I could do. And, and the kids were excelling fast. And um, people started taking notice of that. So I'd get, you know, more kids that wanted in higher level kids. And yeah. um, like I said, it's a small hockey market and a lot of the um, X jackets still stick in town here. And um, get, I got to know some of the um, scouts and things. And um, at that time, Barbara Underhill and um, uh, David Pelche were helping out on the Edmonton Oilers and Toronto Maple Leafs. And the Windsor Star put a big article on David Pelche saying that he started doing it with the Edmonton Oilers. My dad cuts out the, um, the paper and sends it to me. And he calls me up on the phone. Or sorry, he took a picture and sends it, uh, texts it to me. And he goes, son, he goes, get on this. You have this. And at that time, I was still trying to prove myself. And I'm like, dad, it's going to, you know, it'll work its well. And he goes, just get on it. So what I did was take that picture, call my friend. That's a... Um, He's a scout for the Blue Jackets. I said, hey, we've talked about this before. You know what I can do. And he goes, all right. Two days later, I had an interview with the Blue Jackets. And um, I had an interview with Chris Clark, who at that time was the development coach. And he had a phenomenal career. He played in um, Washington, 30-goal score in the league. You know, great, great player. Ended his career for the Blue Jackets. And um, so we're sitting there at Tim Hortons, of all places, you know. <laughs> And uh, we're just talking, I'm telling him my story and my understanding of the blade and skating and my philosophy on skating. And he goes, okay. He goes, do you have your gear in your car? I'm like, yeah. He goes, let's jump on the ice and see what we can do. So we get on the ice and I put him through like a 20 minute like session, what I, what I do. And he looks at me and he goes, man, I wish I was doing this in my career. He goes, this is a no brainer. Um, I think a week later I started working for him. That's unreal, man. Dad, <laughs> former NHL player, mm -hmm. take him through that and probably beat his ass on the ice. And he's like, all right, you're hired. <laughs> that is yeah. unreal, man. Yeah. And, and you know what? Um, at that time, too, like you, you watch now, like that was six years ago. Um, and you see these 18, 19 year old kids that are coming into the league with the speed and power, you know. Yeah. Um, so you still have that crossover now that you have some veterans who, you know, they're 35, 36 that didn't get that formal training that they're looking back and they're like, oh my gosh, look at these kids coming up. I need to do stuff in the summers to keep up with them. So you have this mix of, you know, these veteran guys that need to work on, you know, like old dog, new tricks kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, at that time I started with the jackets and, and these older players are like, all right, I need to get quicker. I need to, if I want to stay in the game longer, I need to work on this stuff. So, um, you know, I think that year it's, it's interesting. The Blue Jackets, they started the season off, you know, terrible. They, they lost the first eight games. Todd Richards was the, the coach at the time and um, he got fired and the players were devastated because he was a, um, a coach's, a player's coach, eh? Um, and uh, most of the teams started getting injured. 
right? So they'd get injured and they'd throw them out with me. They're like, okay, well, get them up to speed and, and work on their skating while they're getting better. And the guys are loving it, you know, because, you know, the thing is with my, my training, it's not, you know, it's not just edges. It's not just body awareness stuff. I like to challenge them. You know, these guys are world-class athletes, but they, they're competitive, right? Yeah. So um, if I give them a drill and they struggle with it, they'll stay there until they get it, you know. And um, so they'll compete with each other. They'll be like, you know, even this one leg like stuff, edge work. And they're like, well, I can't do that. And so they, they battle each other to get it. And in doing that, they're improving. So um, it, was, it was an easy buy-in for them because, you know, A, they're competitive. B, they see me that well, I'm still active out there and showing them what to do. Um, but, yeah, it, it was awesome that, you know, I got to work with a lot of the team that first season. Yeah. And I mean, from the beginning of that team to now, like it, it's night and day, you know, like the, mm -hmm. the roster and management. So mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen a lot of guys come in and come out and mm -hmm. like you said, just be able to, to have a hand in helping them. Um, and it kind of, I want to go back to before when I, at the very beginning, you know, people asking you like you figure skate, why do you figure skate? I was going to ask if any players had, had been like that with, uh, you know, your figure. I'm sure you're not bringing them through like the stuff that you would normally do. You're applying yeah. it to hockey. Right. But mm -hmm. did you ever feel like people are like, really, we, we got this guy? Yeah, no, I, I never really felt that because, like I said, I demonstrate a lot. And I think they could see, you know, my skill in the hockey world, too. You know, like yeah, I, yeah. I th that's the thing is that I, I think I call it like a hybrid coaching style is that like, when I'm out there with a stick and a puck, you know, they see that aspect and they're like, all right, this guy definitely played at some level. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then they see my skating and they're like, okay, well, he obviously has some other formal training and you know, the last questions once in a while. Um, but I never really got pushback. And, um, my experience over the 20 something years that I've been coaching, the guys that really like shy away from the skating stuff and, and don't want to do it are the ones that need it. Are the, are the ones that are kind of like insecure about it and, and they just kind of like don't want to do it. The guys that are good at it, they like doing it because they like to excel at it, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, it, I really haven't seen too much of it. And like I said, um, these young guys are coming in with that formal training now. Sure. You know, like there's so many kids now, even here in Columbus, like I said, when I first came here 10 years ago, these sessions were half empty not even kids out there and now they're sold out you can't get out there and there's a lot more skilled coaches they're getting that one-on-one -on -one attention so these guys that are coming into nhl and the league right away are just so used to having that like one-on-one -on -one lessons having that like formal training that um these older guys have to keep up to them that's really cool it's interesting to hear because especially at the, the highest level and even guys like veterans uh, after the career like chris clark that uh, appreciate it uh, it's interesting to hear. It's cool. Yeah. And, and the game's changing. I mean, yeah. like, you know, it wasn't, it, uh, when I grew up North and South and maybe East and West, I mean, now you have like, everyone's doing Mohawks, which is kind of like opening yourself up to, you know, sideways on the ice and all that like skill work stuff that, you know, back in the day, if you would have pulled this off, they'd be like, what is this guy doing? You know, like that, that's figure skating stuff, you know? Um, but now these guys are, forced to do it because the game has changed so fast and you know they got to be able to do this stuff 100 percent. that's it's it's very interesting to hear and one thing uh before we begin to wrap it up um 2016 you're still you're helping out with the ahl team too and you got the hoist the calder cup i'm sure that was just a cool moment for your your hockey career your hockey coaching career to mm -hmm. be able to accomplish that i'm sure at any part of the team everyone is like you said like going back to the canadians from the volunteers down to the, the players, it's uh, collective. So I'm sure that was really cool for you to be on the ice and hoist the cup. Man, um, honestly, it, um, I remember, you know, because it was up in Cleveland and I'm in Columbus, so it's about an hour and 45-minute, two-hour drive. And after that whole night happened, I'm driving home, and I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. I, you know, I just was on the ice with, like, 20,000 people and a cup over my head, you know, and um, just – just got my imagination going and, and just, you know, like trying to think about, you know, kind of the stories we just talked about and where I've been and, and, and what I did that night. And I'm like, what else is going to happen? But um, the, honestly, the best part of that whole night and going back to some of the questions you asked about players and reactions to what I do and teach and stuff. I remember being on the ice and the guys are all hugging and getting the cup and, and, you know, skating around with it. And I turn around and there's a huge guy 
just standing there looking down at me, you know, like I'm five, eight, no skates. He's, you know, six, three, six, four, you know, with skates on. So I look up and, you know, it's one of the players and he looks at me and he goes, thank you. And he wrapped his arms around me and gives me the biggest hug. And honestly, to this day, you know, I tell my wife, I say, you know, like if it all ended now, if I had, you know, couldn't coach for whatever reason, that would probably be the number one thing is getting some guy at that time, biggest thing in his life, my life probably at the time, you know, um, and him thanking me. I said, that's what it's all about. You yeah, know? absolutely. That's, that's a really cool story, man. Mm -hmm. And it like, it translates from the, that level all the way down to, you know, the minors. So mm -hmm. I'm sure between the blue jackets, the, the monsters, the figure skating, the one-on-ones you're mm -hmm. in the Ohio, um, Buckeyes, we barely mm -hmm. talked about like, you're keeping busy through all those, I'm sure, on a, on a daily basis, just doing what you love, right? Yeah, no, I, I've been very lucky. Like, um, obviously, you know, I, I was making my name for myself with, you know, what I was doing before. I was with the Blue Jackets, but, have it, you know, when I started working with Blue Jackets, that put me in a whole nother level of people wanting my time and, and having them help out their team. So, and I absolutely love it. I mean, you know, in a day, in a, um, in a given day, I could be on the ice with uh, a professional hockey player in the morning a figure skater in the afternoon, um, a kid getting on the ice for the first time, um, a triple A, U16, U18, triple A, um, a college kid, you know, like I could do that all in one day. And to me, I absolutely love every aspect of it. It's not just the top or the bottom. It's everything. I get to, you know, interwind with like every, you know, uh, personality and level of, of love for the game. And um, again, I've been very fortunate to have, you know, a, my parents helped me out along the way, but, um, some phenomenal coaches, you know, I look back to even my first couple of years growing up, you know, the coaches that we had, like Bob Sillick and, um, Roger Ducharme, Todd Wilder, you know, you know, small, small little town, but like the, the fundamentals that they were teaching us and, and even the stuff off the ice still hold to, true today as I'm coaching these kids. You know, yeah. sometimes, sometimes when I talk to a kid and I say something like, Oh my gosh, I sound just like my coach <laughs> or just like my dad, you know? And, <laughs> and it, it's, I think that's what it's all about. It's about passing it on and, and being a part of the whole journey of it. That's really cool, man. That's uh, you've learned what you learned from your coaches and you're passing it on. Right. So that's, yeah. that's pretty much the, the lineage of coaching, um, how it goes. And I wanted to ask, um, you know, how, how's it going in Ohio for like the rink situation right now? Are you guys like open often? Is there limitations? Mm -hmm. What's it like with, like with COVID uh, going on? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, you know, they shut down, uh, mid March, everything was, you know, yeah. we were home for 12 weeks straight. Then they opened up very slowly and, um, you could only, have a certain amount of kids on the ice. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone had to wear masks, obviously, and um, you could only be in the rink 10 minutes before, so everyone's getting yep. dressed at home in the car. Standard stuff, but um, they, they did that all the way through the summer, and you know, then they started having some tryouts and things. But um, you know, it's, there's obviously, you're, everyone's seeing that they're starting to get a spike again, so you know, they're trying to do the best they can. They're cleaning, they're, you know, kids are wearing masks when they're playing, they're, but um, it's interesting, and um, I think everyone's just trying to do their best part just to, A, you know, be healthy, but obviously keep this thing going and, and playing hockey if they can. Absolutely. Well, Lee, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This was a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, Drake, I appreciate it. And I, uh, I hope to be up there soon and hope everyone in, in Windsor and Harrow and, and everywhere are staying safe. And uh, good luck to you guys. All right, all right, there we have it. Thank you again to Lee for joining me on Zoom. Uh, we don't do them on Zoom too often, um, depending on the guest and obviously their their preferences. But I, I like to uh, to get that visual, you know, and uh, connect with someone out in Ohio. We did talk about, you know, uh, he'll be coming back hopefully to the Windsor-Essex area as soon as he can with the whole border situation. Um, but it's cool to chat with him. Like I said, or if you couldn't tell, um, that was a little bit of a learning experience for me too. You know, it's, I've never interviewed a, a figure skater, so there's a lot of questions in regards to that that I didn't know how to ask or what to, and kind of learn what it's like to be a professional figure skater, you know, like competing on the, or performing on the uh, Caribbean cruise ships. I mean, I read about that in his biography, but what does that really mean? I mean, I really wanted to, you know, hear a little bit more about that. And we got to cover all the grounds pretty much. Uh, with Lee Harris. Um, great interview, great guest. Thank you again to Lee and looking forward to seeing him hopefully here in Windsor if, or um, at the Atlas 2 out in Bell River. 
we can get in with the old Lakeshore Canadians, uh, formerly the Bell River Canadians. Not to offend anyone out there, but um, hopefully we'll get him back for a camp here in Windsor and we'll be able to link up. But we do have a few things to talk about here on the end of the Wind City Sports Podcast. As mentioned at the top, we do have some unfortunate news. Um, earlier this week, we lost a Windsor legend, Windsor sports legend, Windsor Lancers legend at the university. Uh, we lost Dennis Farrell. He's um, a longtime track and field coach and uh, coordinator at the school. Um, buildings or complexes named after him. I've had people on the show here uh, like Corey Belmore and Kurt Michael Downs who were just recently in the news for uh, the Border City Athletic Club and all the greats that they have coming out of there and all of them have been at one time influenced or coached by Dennis who had a great in, again influence on all these athletes uh, from talking to them and a few others even not necessarily on the show just you know people in passing I've met or know that have competed in the track and field um, program here at the University of Windsor in the community better yet um, all have crossed paths with Dennis and and all, all athletes of all kind too um, seen a lot of outreach to him uh, to Dennis and his family online as of late obviously I've never never met him but he is a Windsor legend and uh, I definitely now obviously regret not reaching out to him in uh, sooner. Uh, not even really sure what the issues what the issues lied in his life, uh, which uh, I do his death, I suppose. But um, I always thought like, yeah, I should reach out to Dennis, and unfortunately, that cannot be done now. Um, but that's not really what's important. What's important is um, we got a pair of respects here on the Wind City Sports Podcast, the radio or radio and podcast in the sports world here in Windsor. We have to do our part and uh, send our well wishes to his family and to the Windsor Lancers family as well. And uh, to follow that up, we have some even more unfortunate news. Um, Maybe not news, but stuff to talk about here. This one's a a little bit late. Um, A few weeks ago, we had the passing of Travis Roy, who was actually a Boston College hockey player. He was injured in his first shift ever with Boston College, was left him paralyzed. And from there, he was a staple in the community. His foundation had raised money for um, others with similar disabilities as Travis. He he wrote books. He went around to do speeches and, and talks and again influenced a lot of players and and people who had crossed paths with uh, him in the you know Boston area and we did have some guests who obviously played for the Boston Bruins or right now we have Jack Stadinka out in uh, Providence so I'm sure he's crossed paths with him Jeff Zare played a few games for the Boston Bruins but last year we had Bruce Shoebottom on the show who was born here in Windsor uh, raised here for a bit and then went off to Toronto began his hockey career played with some greats and uh, played in Boston, wrapped up his career pretty much in Boston and still lives there. And in order to, um, maybe not in order to get him on the show, but uh, Bruce had asked for a donation to the Travis Roy Foundation from Wind City Sports, which I obviously obliged to, uh, grateful to to do my part and uh, give to that foundation. So kind of bring it back to that. We want to pay our respects to Travis and to Bruce too, um, who is friends with him, obviously. And as mentioned, being a podcast sports podcast in that world in the hockey world especially we want to pay our our tributes and condolences and respects to uh, Travis Roy and his family and his foundation and happy that we were able to give to them and would like to again so um, that's the kind of stuff that I don't like to do here on one city sports but you have to you know it's part of life but we'll try to bring it to some more positive news now and uh, stuff to talk about um, announced earlier this week, Random Marcos will be stepping in on short notice to face and uh, help me with this one. Kano- oh, geez. Kanako Murata. Kanako Murata next week. Um, actually, yeah, one week uh, from this past Saturday at USC Vegas 14. She'll be taking her on in a regular three round matchup. Randa needs a win big time, so obviously she's looking to step in at short notice, taking any opportunity she can um, to get her back to her winning ways here in the Octagon. So another Windsor Wright stepping in the Octagon yet again. We've had a, quite a lot of, uh, of UFC player, or fighters from Windsor, and especially in the last couple of years, so I'd like to keep up on that as always. Bell River's Logan Mayu heads to Sweden to chase his hockey dream with blessings of the London Knights and not that London Knights. A few weeks ago, we reported that uh, Logan was on the NHL's rankings list for the 2021 entry draft coming next year. And while he is a draftee to the London Knights in the OHL, um, he's likely going to be playing in their B or C division. So in the meantime, while they are not starting their season until February, he's going over to Sweden 
uh, to play on an under-20 team, get that experience, similar to a lot of other players that have done the same thing. Um, but this kid right here from Bell River, Ontario, going out there to play with the big boys and get some good experience. This is our first podcast in a little bit, too. I did talk about it on the radio show, but the OHL announced following the drop of our last uh, podcast, which is our last Thursday one, um, the OHL set back to February 4th. Uh, I'm sure it's not news to you now. They were planning, or still, I guess, planning on no body checking. That is up in the air as uh, Doug, Doug Ford, Premier Ford, has stepped in to give his thoughts and thinks that he's going to try and work with the league to you know, comply with the order or the act and and still uh, still get this done with checking. I mean, at that speed of junior hockey, it's almost impossible that collisions won't happen. And it's pretty much essential for that level of play going forward into, you know, the next level of hockey from there, from the OHL and up. I believe the, the uh, Quebec League has already ruled the same thing, but we'll see what happens for our boys here in Windsor with the Windsor Spitfires as they are anticipating their start date February 4th for the OHL season. I'm sure they're very excited. But for more local news, catch the Wind City Sports Radio Show on Thursday because that is all for the Wind City Sports Podcast this week. My name is Drake Demore, and I'm here now every other Monday dropping episodes on windcitysports.com and anywhere podcasts are found, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Full, uncut, and unedited versions of interviews with local athletes, coaches, entrepreneurs from the Windsor-Essex area, and much more. Again, that's every other Monday, wherever you get your podcast. We also have the Win City Sports Radio Show that airs every single Thursday on CJAM 99.1 FM in Windsor and Detroit. is actually fundraiser time this week. I uh, almost forgot to mention that, but we'll be hearing it on the radio show uh, this week for sure. Donate to CJAM if uh, you'd like to support us. Every Thursday, 12.30, and replays on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. in Windsor and Detroit. Local sports news, highlights from these podcasts, interviews, and good music, what CJAM does best. And again, follow us on social media, at WinCity underscore sports, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you're trying to find us and having difficulty, WinCity is all one word, W-I-N-C-I-T-Y. You should be able to find us now almost five years on the podcast and radio airwaves in Windsor and Detroit over 200 episodes. My name is Drake Demore, and I'll be your host every week. You can follow me on Twitter and, fi- and Instagram 